If you're listening to this on an Android device somewhere in the Andrade system, well, uh, it's probably very hot and dry where you are, so you'll need some entertainment. The spice must flow, and also the podcast must flow, through the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Check out the thousands of good reviews that people have left over the years. You don't have to take my word for it. There are many, many people to tell you how wonderful it is. That is the Podcast Republic app available on the Google Play Store for all Android devices, or most Android devices. I shouldn't say all. I don't know that that's true. The Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. If you would like your nether regions to be more like the desert planet of Arrakis, then have I got the product for you. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. So if you've got, like, a forest moon of Endor situation, and you'd like to take that to a desert planet of Arrakis situation, cross from Star Wars over to Dune, you should check out manscaped.com what's even better about it is we've got an offer code just for you you can use offer code macho m-a-c-h-o at manscaped.com they just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 that's right the 4.0 you can join over two million men worldwide who trust manscaped with their family jewels that offer code is macho m-a-c-h-o at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Once again, 20% off and free shipping with the code MACHO at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who knows that above all, the spice must flow! The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Leno and Fuck the Spice. <laughs> so there's a Dune movie coming out that apparently people think is good. It's got a lot of good famous people in it. You got your Oscar Isaacs. You got your, uh, is it Zendaya or Zendaya? Zendaya? I think it's Dea, okay. but I'm probably wrong. Well, I just remember that that funny video I'm sure you saw where the guy was like walking. They had all these billboards for some animated movie that she was in and they had these like character yeah. posters. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a Viner that I liked. Okay. Well, he said Zendaya is Michi and that is all I've ever associated with her because I just found that video very funny. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's in... I'm pretty sure that's a Viner that I really like because okay. he does like anti-humor bullshit that I okay. like. That wasn't anti-humor. That was just funny. But uh, I agree uh, that I don't know whether you're supposed to say Zendaya or Zendaya. So uh, speaking of desert planets, it is September and yet still hot as hell uh, in the in the podcast studio. Ugh. So uh, approaching uh, cooler temps, I hope. Uh, but we, of course, to celebrate that new Dune with Oscar Isaac. It's plural, right? I'm screwing up all the yeah, plural. All the and, famous and people. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That Dune comes out, I believe, next month. And we weren't going to interrupt the spooktacular for Dune. So we're doing Dune now. That's the David Lynch film from 1984. We watch Dune, and you know what that means. We've got to go back. We've got to go dissect the 80s. It's your fucking spice. Someone's going to be at your fucking spice. <laughs> when the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott! 
cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega power, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. You had never seen this before, right? No, not at all. I had also not seen this before. And I think we both independently had had this floating in the ether of like, oh, that's probably a podcast episode one day, right? Kind of, yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I've heard the name, like, Baron Harkonnen, and I, I was, like, vaguely aware of, like, some names, because uh, there's a you, there's a college humor show I called Um Actually that I really enjoy, and it's about okay. nerds. Uh, nerd stuff and it's like jeopardy uh, all the all of your answers have to be preceded with the phrase um actually or it doesn't count oh, okay and they've had a bunch of um dune questions and stuff on there okay i feel like i should read this book it's a book i've had on my I, the, honestly i was like maybe the weirdly enough this garbage movie made me go kind of want to read the book just yeah. to see <laughs> because the so We'll do a little bit of, of background here, but obviously, if you're really interested in this, there are other places to get it. But this book was hugely popular. It's by Frank Hebert. I think that's right. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I did no pronunciation research today. Apparently, my brain has forgotten to say any word. Is it not Herbert? Is there is it there an R in there or not? I thought it was Frank Herbert. Okay. Well, I will look that up while I continue talking. But to say, this, this novel came out. It's a big, popular, it's very successful. And was it, it like Herbert. Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter big? So I don't know. At the time? I don't know if it's quite Lord of the Rings cultural phenomenon, but I do think it's pretty, it's pretty big. Uh, it's the, uh, no, okay, I'm an idiot. It's frequently called the best-selling science fiction novel in history. That obviously encompasses many, many years, but it must have been as big as those things that you're describing, at least as a book. Okay. I, although I will say... No book was, I don't know that any book was ever as big as Harry Potter was. That became like, because it was a series, became like a cultural phenomenon in a way yeah. that was different and bigger. Like the Harry Potter books had a lot of casual hanger-ons that blew it up. And you can't have a like a successful pop culture thing without casual hanger-ons. I'm not saying, I'm not, this is not gatekeeping. Fair. This is just like things... Like diehards come first and then more dedicated people come. And then the last stage when you hit, you know, like the maximum impact is when just like your, you know, the mom test where it's like, oh, yeah, that your friend. I was going to say your your mom's friend at a at a book with your mom's friend at a party asks you about it. Yes. That's how you know. It's yes. like, oh, it's like a, a thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's reached cultural saturation when the when the regular everyday folks jump in. So my hunch is this was like really popular with sci-fi nerds and then got like a little bit more widely popular in book reader circles. And then it like hit the airport circuit and suddenly like your dad's associate at, in, you know, on a business flight is picking up a, you know, a copy of Dune and is reading it on a, in this, on his flight is my guess. Cause it's 400 pages, which doesn't seem too terribly long. That's, for a, little, that's a little long. Like your average book is about 300, 310, but it's a little long, but not crazy. Yeah. That's what, that. Cause I, I was like, Oh, is this some like, 700 page epic kind of thing and i was like oh it's only 400 pages that seems like a reasonable attempt to read yeah to read for sure it's a big book to adapt i mean it's it's always difficult to adapt any novel to screen um this book was famously almost a movie a lot of times there's a truly great i enjoyed it a lot more than this movie documentary out there called uh joe i'm gonna screw this name up but i know how to vaguely say it but jodorowsky's dune and it's uh, about a filmmaker 
the Jodorowsky in question, who made a lot of oddball artsy movies. Uh, one of them ca- is called like something in the Holy Mountain. The people out there are probably screaming at their phones right now, but um, I did not care for Holy Mountain, which I watched after I watched the Jodorowsky's Dune because I was like so intrigued by it. But he was like, mm-hmm. he's one of the, the the documentary is great because it's one of those people who thinks that he is the greatest of all time and it just like almost happened for him and didn't. And I, I'm I'm not one to say, I personally don't agree, but you know, that doesn't mean it's not true, but he got this who's who of people to come in HR Geiger, who later found uh, massive, massive fame as the guy who did all the designs in aliens. He did all the design work for this. And I think a lot of that stuff you still see in this David Lynch version. Like there's a very Geiger vibe to a lot of this, in my opinion. But that movie, it was going to have, like, Mick Jagger in a major part, and Pink Floyd was going to do the soundtrack. Which, like, honestly, I'm fine with it. Frankly, I, I kept thinking this movie needed meatloaf. <laughs> honestly, it'd be... this. If you added songs to this, it would be, like, way more interesting. More interesting, yes. I I think that's just a lateral move. <laughs> I I don't know that adding songs is a is an up. I think it's just a sideways. Yeah. Uh, anyway, his movie falls through after two million dollars is spent on pre production. Like huge amounts of artwork were produced. They were able to for wow. this documentary essentially show you storyboards to sh- to to show sequences. Like to the point of it was nearly animated. All that hmm. to say, go check that out if you're a Dune fan or even if you just like movies, I think you would get a kick out of it. But this this Jodorowsky, he tries to make it. It falls through. They're about to lose the rights to this. And uh, our old pal Dino De Laurentiis, he renegotiates a deal. He keeps the rights to Dune for another chunk of years. And he buys the rights to the sequels, which weren't even written yet. And th- through the course of this, David Lynch, who has just made Elephant Man, and actually, Ridley Scott was supposed to direct this, and then he fell off to go do Blade Runner. It just like the, the almosts with this movie are crazy. But eventually, yeah, apparently, they were like they thought Ridley Scott's version was too much like Alien, and I was like, oh, you mean the wildly successful and <laughs> yeah, very good movie? Exactly. Why would you want that? Who would who would want to watch that? Me every Halloween and other times as well. Um, so anyway, Lynch makes the Elephant Man. It's very very popular. It's a you know period piece about a disfigured man, and I think that was the year Cher got snubbed at the Oscars. Oh, okay, but it's it's and the, whatever whatever year she wore that like fuck off black outfit with the giant headpiece was the year she was not nom- They did not nominate her, but asked her to present an award, and she was like, "Oh, okay." Ah, okay. Well, much like it was back in the day, you make it or in the current era, you make an independent film, it does well, and suddenly they want to stick you on a big budget. Uh, Marvel picture back then it was hey David Lynch you made the elephant man do you want to make return of the Jedi and he didn't and then they offered him more uh, offered him this movie see I never knew anyone other than George Lucas directed any of the Star Wars stuff George Lucas didn't direct any of the original Star Wars he didn't No, George Lucas didn't direct Star Wars until Phantom Menace who directed the first one Uh, Irvin Kirshner and uh, man you put me on the spot Lucas is credited as the guy because it's, you know, his baby and he did the, uh, you know, he did, he came up with the story and did all that stuff. Gotcha. 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 Oh, excuse me. I'm wrong. I, that, I was wrong there. George directed the first movie. That's what I thought. I was like, it just seemed weird that he would be like, I yes. created this whole thing and I yes, don't want I to direct it. I apologize. People are screaming, put down the tweets, put down the tweets. 
Um, Empire is directed by Irving Kirshner. And then the last one in the trilogy is... Not David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, not David Lynch, which honestly I'm fine with. I, I should say that was the thing I was wanting to get to. Do you... Have you watched any other David Lynch stuff? So I tried to watch Twin Peaks because a lot of people I like and like have similar tastes with really like Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And I maybe it was just my state of mind. I just couldn't really like it didn't like grab me. Um, and I tried a couple episodes because the first episode is like a movie. Like it's like an it's hour and a half. half. It's yeah. a long. Yeah, it's long. And I was just like, because it's interesting that I feel like anytime something is described as like Lynchian or like David Lynchy, I love those things. So it's weird that anytime I look at like actual David Lynch things, I'm like, I don't know. I think, I don't think so. Maybe it's like the Larry David thing where it's like you and I both. like. Oh, Seinfeld, maybe. But Larry David show is too much. Like I need to be. That's that's possible. I can't hit the pure shit. I got to have it cut. <laughs> I needed to yeah, be stepped exactly. on several times. Uh, Richard Marquand directed Return of the Jedi, by the way. I'm not going into his IMDb and all that stuff. I'm just answering the question so we can put the tweets away. I also had the exact same thing happen to me more than one, more than probably more than three times. I have tried to watch Twin Peaks so many times because everybody loves it. People who like stuff that I like love it. It's like this cultural yeah. thing. I And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like that, like weird I like weird shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's my jam. I have not made it more than 25 minutes into that first episode of that thing. And I have tried, I'm telling you, three times at minimum. It's, I just find it impenetrable. I, a couple years ago during um, uh, Haunted, like, Halloween Watch, I I watched Blue Velvet. Because, you remember that Bravo Scariest Movie Moments thing? Yeah. That's on there? Yeah. The Dennis, um, oh, Jesus. I just forgot his name. What moment is it? He he's he like huffs this gas and he's like uh, he's constantly huffing this this gas and he's he's an absolute maniac. He's it's a great performance from for God's sake, Dennis Hopper. Yes. Yes. Dennis Hopper plays the the bad guy in that. And he's a maniac. I mean, he's like truly unhinged. He's like huffing this gas out of a tank and is just like an absolute lunatic. Huh. And uh, that it was mentioned in one of those Bravo countdowns. I was like, well, let me check this out. And like. The Hopper performance is truly great. Unhinged madman wonderfulness. But I find David Lynch just so freaking impenetrable. I'm like, I don't understand anything that's happening. I was so confused. A little easier with, with uh, Blue Velvet. This movie, I it's like nonsense for the whole time. This movie, like, have you ever wanted to watch the series finale of a nine season fantasy <laughs> yes, epic? Yes, exactly. Because that's what this is. Exactly. That's what this feels like. Exactly. And... Uh, I have always been someone who kind of like dips a toe into science fiction. Like I'll read some things. I like Isaac Asimov, who's obviously science fiction. You know, I, I like some science fiction stuff. Anytime there's a glossary, I'm almost out. I'm almost always out. I'm never getting past a glossary. See, I don't, I've read, I've done things where like there is a glossary and I'm like, I know it's there if I really need to, but half the time I it's like, like when you're watching a Shakespeare performance, like you get it. You don't you don't need to know all the syllables yeah, that they're saying. Yeah. Like they're they're doing stuff. So like I don't need to go into the glossary, this but I like, know it's there if I need it. This is like a Shakespeare performance of sci-fi with a glossary in terms of impenetrable for me. It's both of in them. another language. Yes, exactly. It's 
And so the, it's interesting because Lynch has basically disavowed this movie. He wants nothing to do with it. They've tried to pay him money to go re-edit it and do the like ultimate director's cut. And he has just absolutely no interest in it. And uh, which like, I can't even imagine, like, I guess he's fine financially because he's like a yeah. weirdo artist guy. But I like David Lynch. I'm glad he's out there bopping around. Like, I like when he does his weird, like, hey, uh, I'm going to read the weather for June 6, 2021. You know, his, like, weird shit that he does. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, he just, like, would read the weather reports. Ah, there's going to be okay, well, hey. a lot of rain out in, uh, out in. Is that his, uh, is that, I'm, is that I'm, truly, I'm like, doing a bad version, but it's damn close. But it's, it's in there. Okay. Yeah. It was like, it's like how George Lucas has a voice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not, the, the, Lynchy is, I, I, I was practicing it and I lost it, but I had it for a while. So maybe over the course That's of this fair. podcast, we'll come back. But yeah, I was just like, you know, they're just like, Hey, you want to do this thing? And he's like, Nope. <laughs> There's some great interviews where uh, the I forget what the context is, but the interviewer says to him like, oh, I saw uh, recently that you said your, you know, this movie was your, you know, your, your most perfect film. Do you want to elaborate on that? And he goes, no. <laughs> like, I like that he's a little bit of a curmudgeon. He's got that, uh, you know, John Carpenter curmudgeonly vibe, which I kind of dig. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it makes him maybe less pleasant to hang out with in person, but actors really like working with this guy. I mean, as long as you don't bring up fucking Dune, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I just mean he seems like he might be a standoffish person. That's all I meant. Um, mm. But yeah, so he he has no interest in going back to it. And so he turned in a four hour cut and the studio was like, absolutely not. And then. Well, apparently, apparently all the footage, like the unedited movie, not like multiple shots. Yeah. But just like all of the footage of the film was like six hours and then they edited it down to four and then the studio was like, it's going to be two. And then I read that apparently De Laurentiis and 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 David Lynch, in order to trim the runtime down and, and condense things, reshot stuff. So what we see is the condensed version, right. which makes me want to stab my eyeballs out. And they also apparently um, cut a lot of dialogue scenes in order to put more action in which is wild to me because there's not that much action in this movie there's like three and the action is bad i do like the final battle i will give it credit for being fun and different my problem is that like it's so muddy and and cluttered yeah and and visually there's not just like in star wars all the stormtroopers are stark white yeah and then your good guys are usually in some kind of camouflage like the battle on Endor to go back to that is is visually engaging because you have the bright white bad guys yeah. and then you have like the camouflage and the teddy bears and like it's a whole thing. Uh, like in the Avengers, everyone has their costume right. and like you can tell by colors and shapes. This is just like blobs of gray against a brown background fighting other globs of gray. Not interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that was David. Very that. That was David Lynch's response to you. <laughs> more gray please yeah it's just like so beige and bland yeah like I, I don't need you to like rhinestone everything that's not what i'm saying but like the visual palette i like the movie has to be watched right like yes you're creating your realistic world like even in the hunger games where it's like look at these sad poor people who can't afford anything right. and they have like rags their clothes are visually interesting right right 
Because that's true of, of humans throughout you know, human history. We, as a species, have... You want to. Right. You decorated your things a little bit. You gave yourself some little whatever. You know, back, like, that's why, you know, you heard the, we've talked about this before on the podcast as like a anecdote in passing, but flower sacks used to have printing on them so that they could be made into dresses. And it was like, yeah, because we're making, yeah. we're making the best we can, so let's make it a little nice. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, this movie does, for as color... For as much like interesting stuff as happening on the indoor scenes, it is a bummer that when they go outside, it's just black and sand. Mm-hmm. I guess black and tan would have been a better thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Also, if your movie opens with a homeworks level of narration by a character who doesn't fucking matter, <laughs> well, he, you fucked up. Well, here's the thing. So Virginia Madsen opens it with this with this voiceover, and it's not a voiceover. Love Virginia Madsen. Yeah. Not trying to take work away from her, yeah. but like... She doesn't matter. She signed a three-picture deal. I saw they were that. Certain that they had a franchise here, but so I, so I, you, you just brought the conclusion of my thing. So I'm just going to jump back one paragraph and finish my thought. Go for it. I'm very curious how much of the voiceover stuff was added after Lynch was done with it, because in my head canon, anytime there's a voiceover, that was studio interference, because. It seems to me like the other David Lynch things I've seen that he doesn't care if you can unfollow what's happening. He's more interested in imagery than he is in mm-hmm. plot progression, which is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not my kind of movie. Like, I, I don't care for that. So, I, I mean, frankly, I would rather have just not had this. Th- like, if you like, there's so much clunky like shitty exposition in the beginning of this movie that yes. like you can't even absorb it all. Right. So they- when you could easily just, sh- it's this, I'm going to bring up a lot, but this movie is like a, re- like reverse Shakespeare. Right. Where it's, or no, it is Shakespeare. Where it's like, look at the amazing thing that's happening out there. And I'm like, we have the technology to just see the thing. Yes. Like you can just show me what's happening. And then, and through dialogue and acting and and product and production design, I'll get it. Right. I'll understand that this spice is super important because blah, 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 blah. Right. I don't need to know the history of the spice. Right, right. That does not matter. Right. And I think that's the problem is like the book probably opens with a long thing that's like on the planet Arrakis, there's a spice mine. Books ain't movies. Right. I, I'm agreeing with you. But what I what I do truly love here is... I want you to think about my version of the movie as we're discussing it, where every time there's voiceover, it was added after the fact and what this movie would look like and, and be to watch if all of the voiceover was added in post. And so there's long scenes of people just looking at each other so that they can have these voiceover internal monologues. Happen. Oh, you, oh, you're including those voiceovers. Correct. I thought you meant Virginia Madsen's voiceovers. No, Virginia Madsen. No, 100% as added after the fact. I don't think the people, I don't, I don't think the like inner monologue stuff. I don't think that was that. I think that was David Lynch. I don't either, but I like to imagine the most Lynchian version of this movie, which is there's no inner, inner monologue stuff. And it's just people staring at each other for five to 10. Frankly, honestly, I really didn't like the inner monologue stuff. No, it It sucks. It's, it's just so awkward and weird. And like half the time, McLaughlin, Paul, just thinks the word spice. Right, right. Um, so we start with this Virginia Madsen thing. It's clearly Dime Store Princess Leia, like, you know, the novelty it's, Halloween It's costume. Princess Leia meets Princess Moonchild from NeverEnding Story. Oh, it's been too long, but I'll take your word for it. 
But so my favorite part of this bit is so she starts giving you this long like if this was a Star Wars scroll, it would be like ten minutes. The movie. Yeah, you'd be it like would be Jesus the Christ. It would end and you would have a five minute battle and then credits. Yeah. And so she's going on and on like the the history of the spice and the spice gas and the transverse. And then I swear to Christ, she says, Oh, I forgot to tell you. And she adds another point. I was uh-huh. howling. I was like, okay, I get why people like this. This movie's going to be off the rails in the most fun way. I forgot to tell you. Like, clearly Dino and his daughter were like hammering away at a typewriter. Like, okay, we got to we gotta lay all this shit out. And it's just like, he's throwing ideas and she's like click clacking away. And then suddenly she's like, oh, and the transverse. He's like, yeah, transverse. Click, click, clack, 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 clack. Oh, and the spice gas. Yeah, click, 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 click. Oh, we forgot the, oh, I forgot to tell you. Like, there's just no way it didn't go down like that. Yeah. I, so I remember, I remember hearing from, I don't, I think it was like some YouTube video where a guy who does like, he's an improv person and a comedian and he does uh dms for dungeons for dungeons and dragons campaigns and so like his world is very nerdy but he also interacts with all kinds of people through comedy Mm -hmm. and he's like i learned like i've sort of picked up on the fact that like human adults can only ask what or why once maybe twice during an explanation and uh, after that they've checked out and so You've ex- you've used up your what's and why's within th- three minutes of a seven-minute opening monologue. Right. And so the rest of this two-hour, 15-minute movie, I'm like... <sighs> yeah, it's a great point. I, I did have to watch this movie into two, two, in multiple chunks because I was... I wish I gave myself time to do that. I was falling asleep, honestly. Was, I was like, I can't believe this is how boring this is. But it really kind of is a beautiful disaster. Like, I think the production design... I know you, you brought up the valid point about color, and I do agree with you on that. But overall, I think it's... There are some good good production choices. Yeah, I think it's really cool looking. It's very like H.R. Geiger. I like the look of the suits. I wish they weren't black. I wish they were any other color. But I like the look of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. you know, I I think most of the stuff is really cool. And I think there's some like dope ideas. The makeup on Baron Harkonnen is really creepy. I mean, I didn't... We'll get into that. Yeah. Anyway, so we get this whole long uh, introduction here, and again, from a character who disappeared, like Virginia Madsen walks past the screen, and you're like, isn't that Virginia Madsen? Because she's not even in the same outfit as she was when she was giving her monologue. Right, right. And so you're like, I think that's her. And then her father goes, you must leave. And then she Ubers out of the movie. (laughs) Yes. Is she at at the very end? Yeah, she is. So she's... for. She's in the first 10 and the last five yes. of this movie. There's, and she's also your narrator for some reason. <laughs> There's two hours without her. I think it was just like, oh, we already paid her. So give her, give her. It'd be like if, if they got fucking Dudley, if, if Dudley was the narrator of Harry Potter. <laughs> You're like, why? All right. So it's this boy, Ari, right? He moves in with me, my mom and my dad. He starts eating all my sweets, a little shit. Or even better, the snake. The snake from the first <laughs> Harry Potter book is your narrator. And you're like. I didn't think you were that important. Okay. It's like uh like filch inexplicably. Yeah, and then you're like or like I'm thinking like I'm picturing the snake and then being like, in my head I'm like, oh, if it's narrating, the snake's gonna be the 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 Voldemort snake and they're tying it in. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. It's just a snake. I just watched a a, a horror movie called uh, Eden Lake uh, for just starting the, the spooktacular. And there's this moment in the beginning where um, 
one of the characters takes his uh, like uh, scuba tank and he kind of positions it just so right in front of the frame of the camera. And the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm going like, all right, when are we going to get back to the scuba tank? Clearly the scuba tank is going to factor in. Cause it was like dead center of the frame, like carefully positioned. Oh, I, <laughs> I was like, Oh, he's going to get naked and it's going to cover his junk. No, 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 no. It was like, he came out of the water, took the thing off. He's like straight in a dead center camera. And the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm like, there's only like 10 minutes left. When are we getting into the goddamn scuba tank? And then it just never came back. And I was like, well, what was the point of the goddamn scuba tank? Like, there are rules. This is a movie. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. It's like when an actor drops a prop on a play, you ought to pick it up because now everyone is staring yes. at the thing you like, dropped. What is this? I, what is the significance? Uh, but yeah, it uh, was, it, I, I, I wrote this note here and I, sorry, I, it was way down the page because of how many notes I had about Virginia Madsen, but it really, truly does feel like they just transcribed the back of the book and that's where the, I, I, oh, I forgot to tell you thing came from. Oh, maybe. Where it was just like, quickly, uh, grab a paperback and Dino's like over there, you know, t- hammering away. <laughs> Dino in this is played by- Dino's last name is Mario? Dino Mario De Laurentiis. So it's funny because you, Virginia you, Madsen does her thing. You are my, ne- my niece, Giada. Uh, uh, she making a TV food for you. I would honestly rather watch two hours and 15 minutes of Giada at home. Of course. Or Giada there's, Everyday there's Italian. A, there's a narrative through point to a Giada episode. You start with ingredients and you end with a dish. This is just a yeah, bowl. Yeah, and then you ended her party. This is just a bowl that people keep throwing things in. That's a that's a lot of them aren't even food. At a certain point, it's like that's a soccer cleat. Why is this in here? <laughs> because so Virginia Madsen does her thing and then says, "Oh, I forgot," and gives you more exposition. And then the movie decides, "Okay, we're gonna break down." Each of these five planets. Yes. Oh my and god. Was, this goes so, on for so long. And I honestly I wrote this feels like the shit you'd find in the queue so you can understand the story of the ride you're gonna go on, but it's just a roller coaster. Yes. Just let me get on the roller <laughs> yes, coaster. I get it. I'm being turned into the Hulk or whatever. I just wanna ride a fun ride. Yeah. Cool. I can walk past this screen and if I look at it, I'll get it and it'll make me go, Oh, that's kinda cool. There's also a lot of space puppies. Many, in this movie. many space puppies. I will say, like, I, I I think the effects are good. I like the ship movements. The ships in space are cool. The ship designs are yeah. pretty cool. Like, there's a lot to like here. But then the humans start talking, and it's just like, oh, this is incomprehensible to me. It's it's just nerd gobbledygook. It's also interesting, because I wrote this is just Space Game of Thrones. Oh, And 100%. then apparently, apparently George R. R. Martin was inspired by Dune to write the 100... 100- I don't actually, there might only be like eight books in that series. I don't know how many books are in the series, but I don't think it's as many as I would expect. No, because he hasn't written a book in like four years or more. Well, once you, once that TV show happened, he was like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm going to play with trains and meet models. Bye. I'm, I'm going to spend all my money on newsboy caps yeah. and plaid shirts. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just going to live my best life from now on. Bye. Did I ever tell you about the time I went to I the Ren Fair with my friends? I don't know why George R. R. Martin is Kermit the Frog in this podcast. And that was a very Kermit. He's, he's Kermit now. Sorry, Ren Fair. I went to the Ren Fair with my friends like five years ago, and uh, it was like how it was. It was it was a Halloween month. It was October, uh, and my friend the day before was like, "Hey, do you want to go in costume?" And I was like, "I mean." Okay, sure. I, I'll f- throw something together. And it was like time traveler weekend or whatever. So I was like, I threw together Marty McFly. And as we're like waiting for it, I'm waiting in line for a turkey leg with my friend who's not in costume. 
I like look behind her and there is a, a portly fellow with a big beard and a newsboy cap and the round glasses and the suspenders and the plaid shirt. Wow. And I was like, I genuinely don't know <laughs> if he's if he's he's dressed as George R. R. Martin. Or that's just his outfit. Or that's just who he is. Or actually, or maybe George R. R. Martin. Third option, it's just George R. R. Martin at the PA he Ren seems Fair. Seems like a dude who would like a Ren Fair. Oh, duh. A hundred percent he would. Yeah, uh, um, the I, I always thought that the Army of Darkness costume would be fun for that. Oh, for sure, that would have been a good one. Um, so, first, it's an interesting choice to make the these fancy people dressed like medieval times, yes. which like adds to the whole Space Game of Thrones thing. Um, I don't know that it really makes a whole lot of sense based on all the other costuming choices they make. Like they're, they're pretty, but like when you get a very like militaristic, like spacey militarism. Yeah for that and then like the suits look like space magic suits and it's just kind of like disconnected i think that the answer to that is that it's on purpose and the idea is to like set up that these two societies like one's a military society and one is like a royalty based planet okay and that's supposed to like set them off as to why they'd have conflict which would make sense if they leaned into that part of it but the movie does not at all no not at all i do like so that we get the the there's like a royal court thing happening and then it's crashed by some some uh, space Nazi types and they they have this like weird tank that comes in with them and then they have this bizarre microphone that's I guess like a train. I liked that actually. No, the I did enjoy cool. that. Yeah, it's cool as hell. But it's like I guess a, it's supposed to be like a translator stick because they speak different languages. Yeah, because you can like very quietly hear the 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 native language, but mostly you just hear the translated language yeah. and it's cool. Yeah. So they come in and they're like okay get rid of your witch which they call mentats which all i could think of was fallout which i guess is where they got yeah. that from uh i'm sure yeah. that's where they got that from but that there looks like lady powder yeah yeah for sure uh a female version of the character powder yes for clarification yeah. it's not a not a feminine powder <laughs> made by the worst perhaps the worst man in hollywood um he's he's certainly fighting for that title yeah. Um, but anyway, it's like, okay, so there's some people that are psychic, but they're also, uh, what's, what's it called when you can attack with your brain powers? Telekinetic? So they're kind of telekinetic, but like not quite. Right. And also they can only read thoughts. They can't communicate. Right. Which like. Seems less useful for sure. Pretty fucking useless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a world where it's like, if people don't know that you have a person who can read minds, it's incredibly useful. Well, when the person who can read minds is bald and albino with <laughs> yes. bright red eyes it does. and and wears a, a flowing nun's habit. Yeah, it is a little you know, easy to spot. The uh, What's this person's special ability? But put her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe incognito outfit, a brown jacket. A baseball hat yeah. and sunglasses. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. Everybody has a psychic. So if everybody has one, they're all useless. Except one group has more powerful psychics. And then there's this whole like, yeah, I get that every sci-fi fantasy thing has the like, this is the one chosen one who will lead us to the thing. This movie has two chosen ones. There are two chosen ones. Oh, yeah. And also prophecies need to be short and sweet. Like in Harry Potter, it's like the one whose whose parents died to sacrifice, like sacrifice themselves for love. He will rise up and kill the Dark Lord, and and, and they can't both live. Right, one of them has to die. Right, clean cut and dry. Right, someone is it's 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 Neville or Harry po- or it's it's, it's Neville yeah. or Harry Potter. Yeah. 
and he's gonna fight Voldemort, and one of them's gonna die. Yeah. Cool. I get it. This one is like a man will arise and walk into the desert and he will go there and he will do something <laughs> kind of cool with some people and then they will do something we're not sure of and I'm like it's a little too it's a little too vague yeah. like yeah if there's parts where you didn't get the full vision edit that part out of the prophecy mhm it's like that he will go to the desert and lead an uprising of people and also he will have a sister and the sister will be the most powerful mental ability person on the entire known universe and they will also be important to this and oh i forgot to tell you the mother is there and she is both the mother to both of them and she also has mental powers a little bit also, the people have blue eyes. Also, I forgot. And I'm just like, how many pages is this? Like, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. I did not start writing. Like, if, it, if, if I'm at a Zoltar and it's printing this out, I'm like, I'm still rolling it up so that I can read it later. It's like a scroll from a, a Mel Brooks movie <laughs> where they'd be like, Phew, and it would roll all the way out of the, you know, out of the cast. Yes, very that. I do love the brain alien that appears here. So they like open this tank. The I, it has the wrong eyes. It does. I mean, the eyes are bad. It's. I think that's the limitations of the. Time. They are the wrong eyes for this monster because they are just. It looks like they just like found human doll eyes and stuck it in their creation. And I was like, no, 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 no. You gotta do something else. Maybe it was a budget thing. Dino was like, I call him my friend. You use his glass eye. <laughs> I'm so sorry to Dino. I do not think that Italian people sound like this, but the fictional Dino De Laurentiis on this podcast. So, sorry, Dino De Mario De Laurentiis. Giada's going to tweet at us very angrily. <laughs> That's fine. I would be fine with that. We've said a lot of nice things about Dino over the years. He did produce one of our we have. Yeah, yeah, movies we liked. So, you know, previous episodes abound. Also, so in in most movies, when you hear a character's inner thoughts, it's because someone is reading them. Mm -hmm. And in a movie where there are telepaths, yes. Anytime I hear a monologue, I'm like, "Who's who's listening?" Right. And ninety nine times out of a hundred, nobody is. <laughs> yeah, it's just supposed to see. That's why I was saying it's like. I really want to believe that David Lynch had none of that and the studio was like desperately trying to fill in the cracks here and he, they were like, we'll just do something, anything. And David Lynch, you know, wouldn't do it. So they were just like, um, I guess just like hold on this Kyle MacLachlan close up for 30 more seconds and we'll just have him do some ADR and he just will explain what's <laughs> happening. They So they order, uh, there's some they order a hit on Kyle MacLachlan as part of this like conflict here. So is the brain and like omniscient like it can uh, or and clairvoyant that is the way that they treat it the brain is never seen like it's seen in flashback but never on screen again and we don't know what its thing is however my favorite part of this is they're like i have spoken you must kill paul andredes or however you say it and then they start rolling the brain out of the room did you catch the broom guys no. So there's all these soldiers, right? They got their guns and their super suits. And then there's two guys holding what look like curling brooms standing next to this this tank. And as it retreats, they're 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 sweeping like over the where the wheels go, I guess. I don't quite know what they're like, doing. Like in front of the wheels or no, where they behind. were behind. So, so they're like just retreating out of the room. Not taking the scuffs out of the floor? Uh, basically yes they're like the last two guys to leave the room and they're just brooming behind this thing it's amazing it's so weird very weird my hunch is it was probably necessary to like distract from some special effect 
Probably. Uh, then we meet Kyle McLaughlin in his inner monologue. Uh, he does a weird training thing with Patrick Stewart where they have these like cool, it's kind of cool. They're like blocky human, like clunky square human shaped they, pixelated. They turn into Minecraft people. Shields. That I was going to say, I was like, I don't know if that reference is going to land. Popular thing. I'm completely unhip and I know what a Minecraft people is. That's fair. But yeah, this is kind of fun. Although I don't quite understand what the purpose of a shield that you can stab through is. Is it's like you move slowly. So like the if they stab slowly, yes, yes. they can get through the shield. I'm like, that sounds like a flaw. It sounds like you got to go back to the goddamn shield design guy and be like, hey, Derek, what the hell, man? Like I got stabbed seven times. I thought I had a shield. Uh, well, yeah. uh, sorry, sir, but as as I did describe to you, this is a fast shield, a slow shield we just haven't gotten to. Like, can you imagine if Captain America was like, hey, this shield is impenetrable unless you're slow. Yes. <laughs> it's just like it, Captain America's mortal villain is Captain Sludge, and it's just like a big, <laughs> big giant blob monster that slowly eats him. Okay, here's my other thing that I'm going to say that is going to make people upset. Kyle McLaughlin may be better in other things, but he is an absolute charisma black hole in this movie. You, uh, you they, they needed our our guy uh, Matthew Broderick for this. I mean, anyone else, like almost, but anyone. like the, he's Matthew Broderick is the same type. Sure, yeah, I give that to you. But yeah, I just like you're looking for like a like a sort of you know, small framed meeker guy who is going to turn into the big savior. Like it's very much the Luke Skywalker situation where like mm-hmm. Mark Hamill at the beginning of that movie is sort of like a, a baby dorky farm nerd. Yeah. And he sort of grows into his thing. But Kyle McLaughlin here, like, and I, I, I give him all the credit in the world because like he's working with garbage here. This script is incomprehensible. Yeah. It's terrible, but he is bringing no heat to this. I mean, none. We're having He's gazpacho not. because the flame of Kyle McLaughlin is broken. Yeah, and so like I, I was like, well, what else have I seen him in? And I was like, it's I've seen him in the Flintstones, which oh, I think right. is on HBO Max. He's the bad guy, right, Mister yeah, Firestone? Yeah, he and Halle Berry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that, but you're talking Mister Slate. Yeah, I think yeah, his yeah. name yeah, is. Yeah, Mister Slate. Yeah, yeah. That movie holds up surprisingly. It it's got a lot of talent in front of the camera, so I don't know who directed it or what, but it probably was somebody yeah. relatively well known. This the production design is perfect. It's like a very good example of how to do the thing that everyone wants to do now, but no one's looking to that to Flin, to the Flintstones for that. Oh, I wonder why. Um, so they go to Lady Jessica, who is the concubine of the Duke. There's a lot of titles yes. thrown around yes. here. Everyone has a goddamn title, and I just like. How do we keep it all straight? Because there's a baron, there's a duke, there's an emperor, and then there's a brain monster. Right. So, like, where does where does Krang fall into exactly. all this? Exactly. Is 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 there a large? Uh, does this little pod fit into a large humanoid later? Because then I'm very interested. That's what I want. I'm here for that. Um, apparently, Lady Jessica, she's part of the 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 uh, Eggs Benny, this like sisterhood of bald lady of bald albino women. Yeah. Um. And she was like tasked. Their whole thing is they're like trying to create a superhuman of some kind. Right. That's the idea. And they're like they're engineering a breeding program to create the chosen ones. Yes. And so they sent Lady Jessica to the Duke to be like, okay, don't have a son. And I was like, so is the 
is the son like she because later they're like they're like oh you think you can produce the guisats hatteract haha and i was like so a boy is the they do want a boy for that so then why is she bothering to make girls at all? Well, like, are those girls going to give birth to the to the Guisats? I think the idea was that it was like a female-driven bloodline thing, and then ultimately it produces a male heir that is the, the Guisax Hatteract. But the thing that I thought they glossed over with just, like, very quick <laughs> passing mention was this woman can choose what gender to have a baby. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> I was just That's like, what I was getting. Apparently she can control the sex of her baby. Right. Yeah, I don't what? get that. Yeah, if that is a thing, then then uh, perhaps a little expounding would be a nice. Yeah. And also, like, why would you trust one person to this job? Because apparently they didn't know. Right. They're like Paul Leonides or... Tr- was that right? I thought it was Atreides. Maybe. Oh, you know, Leonidas is like a Greek king. Yes. Um, Paul Atreides and then, like, head powder lady is like, we gotta go to the place. And she's like... You were told to not bear a son. And I'm like, this dude's in his 20s. Yeah. It was a How long is this the first ago. you're hearing that the Duke had a kid? I thought you all were just some sort of like all seeing, all knowing people. Like, what, yeah. what is happening there? And then is this the point where they introduced that his mother is pregnant? I didn't catch that until okay. she was giving birth. Okay. So. So now Paul Atreides is fighting a trash can. He's like doing more preparation and fighting and the trash. Doing more Star Wars ripoff. Yeah. yeah. It's basically Luke with the thing on with the, over his head shooting the, you know, blocking the little lasers from the floaty ball. And then this other guy. Powder lady shows up. No, before Gom Jabbar. I think before Gom Jabbar. I was talking about the incredibly homoerotic scene Kyle McLaughlin has with his sergeant or whatever. Oh, Duncan. Yes. Kyle and Duncan, I was like, oh, clearly they are romantically inclined. Like, the the two of them have shared a foxhole. Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah. And then I was like, surely this will get expounded upon. And then we see Duncan, I don't know, an hour from now in the movie dying. <laughs> like, he's barely in it, but he gets this huge... He gets the Han Solo intro of like, oh, this uh-huh. is a guy you should care about. And then he's just not in the movie for an hour. This whole This whole movie is just a mess. So, uh, evil powder lady shows up and she's like, you were told not to have a son, bring him to me. Cause I'm going to kill him or whatever. And so he's like, it's not really explained. He has powers. Yes. And it's never explained that he knows all these powers and how they work and what they mean. Yeah, he's a, but, he, but later he's training people. So I'm like, so he did know the whole time. He's a real Kyle stew. Kyle stew. Uh, sorry. Uh, oh, Mary yeah, Sue. Right. So I meant to say Stu and I said Stu. But yeah, he's, he's got all these powers. I guess he does some training here, but we never know what his, his... There's no definition to what these powers are. And then later... And it's not even like in Captain Marvel where they're like, you can't use your powers. You have to use hand-to-hand combat. Right. It's just like, we're going to train you in hand-to-hand combat. Why? Why? Yeah. If he has magic powers yeah. and a magic voice... Why is he bothering with his hands at all? Right, right. Is th- and we haven't had magic voice introduced yet in the movie, but later we find out that the magic that these people have manifests in a way that they talk like this and they can command people. It is to do the w- wrong choice. It is really stupid. It's just really deadite stupid. voice is the wrong choice for your compulsion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, the compulsion can also be like an actual weapon when wielded by Kyle McLaughlin and his magic powers. I don't know. This movie doesn't know. Yeah. So, uh, you know what's really fun to watch? 
someone describing pain they're in in a way that we can't see it. <laughs> they do do the cutaways. That's really fun. They do the cutaways. So in your five-minute scene, 30 seconds of of a hand being burnt, that's that's enough for you? I, I, you cool with that? I actually thought this scene was cool, so I thought this was really wild. Like, they, so... The, for anyone who doesn't know, this is probably one of the most famous scenes in all of Dune. I was even vaguely aware of the Gomjabar. She has him put his hand in a box, and she reaches out with this tiny little finger blade thing. It's like a needle, basically, on a fingertip. And she puts it at his neck, and she's like, if you pull your hand out of the box, you die instantly. So don't do that. And then she uses her mental powers to make him think that his hand is melting off. So is that what it, it's not the box at all? I, don't, I think the box is just to, to, he can't see the hand. So he doesn't know it's not true. Huh? That's, I assumed the box was the thing. No, I think, I mean, I, I, who the hell knows this movie certainly doesn't give a shit about telling us, but my interpretation was she was using her mental powers to push him around because later there's the callback where the two of them have a little face off and he's like, how oh, yeah. dare you come into my head, me, Kyle McLaughlin, black hole of charisma, who's been tasked with giving the ending speech of this sci-fi epic. He's a lot of speeches. It's all speeches. speeches. That kid. It's all speeches. And he is just, he has no charisma. He's, he's negative charisma. It's bad. Randy Quaid would be a better choice. <laughs> he would at least be compelling. I had to, I, I had to pause for a moment and be like, which Quaid? Either Quaid. I'll take Dennis. Frankly, I would throw Steve Gutenberg in here before murdered this. Goot would have been like, oh, geez. I mean, Goot is absolutely the wrong <laughs> energy for this movie. It's like stick Rick Moranis in there. Just somebody with magnetism. Oh, God, I now Rick Moranis in this role. I <laughs> always here for more Rick. Like, I mean, I almost more like, Rick. Picks. Almost anybody I, I can think of would be better. Matthew Broderick. Bruce Campbell, to go, go back to what we said before. Yeah, yeah. A guy, there's a guy with very little ability and all the charisma. Mm-hmm. And he's riding it straight to the bank. <laughs> straight past Comic-Con all the way to the bank. And then, so they start, like, talking, and it's so, like, it's so stupid gibberish. And they're talking about, like, the water of life and the blah, 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 and blah, and no man has ever gone there. The, but the prophecy tells of a man who will go there, and we fear to go there. And then he, she's like, what did she say? She goes, men have gone before. Men have tried to go before. And he goes, tried and failed. And she goes, tried and died. That is failing, yeah, ma'am. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to say that is exactly correct, miss. Just uh, for most people in the world, trying and dying is failing. Yeah, that's not a W. So... She puts this thing up to his neck. This, this is all happening. She's like giving the speech, but it starts with her like describing the pain. Does it read sexual to you? Because it read sexual to a me. A little bit. Yeah. It's it's that like weird, dark, sexy thing. She sort of seems like that dude in uh, Tom Hanks, the really famous books, uh, the Jesus Fifty stuff. Shades. No, no, no. Tom Hanks, the the Jesus, the Jesusy stuff. Oh, Da Vinci Code. Thank you. Yeah, um, where that dude is like whipping himself all the time. Oh yeah, the the other albino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this this the other bald headed albino person. Yeah, yeah. But she's like, your skin will be itching, and then the burning will go deeper and deeper and deeper until it's the most intense pain you've ever felt. And I'm like, is she into this? Because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Frankly, what I would have enjoyed more is just 
his like uh, do a, like a like a three quarter. Would that be chest up? Was that three quarter? Probably a half. A half. Do a half shot of just his face and slowly push in as you hear her voiceover yeah, of yeah, all yeah. the pain he's experiencing, and then let his face do the acting. That would work if it wasn't this ham sandwich performance by Kyle yeah. McLaughlin. This is like that goofball in uh, freaking From Xanadu. Xanadu. It's just like. This, he, got, we got, he got no emotion in his face at any point. Or from Grease too. And honestly, it's very possible that this is like David Lynch is doing. He's a weird guy. This might have been exactly what he wanted from this performance. I don't know. Probably. So he's... Brad Dorf shows up. He was, she's, he's like having visions of his hand melting and she finally like lets him take his hand out of the box and it, there's nothing. And so he's mad. And then also his dad is dying at this point. Yeah, he keeps saying like my father is my father is not dead yet, and I'm like, and then the 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 head nun lady is like, what's done is done, and I was like, so he is dead, or he's about to be dead? Is he in the process of dying? So many people speak in vagueness, yeah, and I'm like, I just need like three concrete sentences <laughs> just, in this movie. If just one person in this movie could explain to me what's happening. I would be so pleased. Ugh. But yeah, Brad Dourif, like you said, sporting the some buck wild eyebrows. The eyebrows are a thing in this movie. Well, it's like I think there's a race of people yeah. that do have those eyebrows. Because earlier, Kyle McLaughlin's like speaking spell book was like, you'll know these people by their red lips. And I was like, in my head, I'm waiting for like someone with like a red lip on. Right, right. But not like lipstick. I was expecting like something freaky. S- yeah, or like very pale skin, but their lips are naturally like vibrant and like pinkish red. And so he starts talking about like he's muttering to himself. He's like full on an addict on the side of the road, right. muttering to himself. And he drinks this like red juice and it drips down his chin. And I was like, that's the red lips we're supposed to be on the lookout yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, They're barely noticeable. Right, right. And, and you'd think in a movie as washed out as this, the red would be like, oh, red, I get it. Mm hmm. Uh, this is where we meet the Baron, who's being operated on by the scary German guy from Monster Squad. Is it really? Oh. I'm like 99% sure it's the right guy. The Baron is a really shitty, homophobic character, and I was angry a lot. I, I, I gotta be honest with you, this must have totally gone over my head. I did not get the the gay panic stuff with him i i i'm not he, trying to be dick i just i missed it he assaults a boy to death well yeah i just thought that was him being a monster no he he sexually assaulted a boy to death he pulls his he's he, he pulls his heart and down. then turns him around oh i didn't see I, yeah i didn't catch yeah he wipes his face and then turns him around and the camera cuts away and you see blood splash the wall oh i thought that was his heart valve pumping him out i, I mean he there were uh, you don't turn a person around to I, to let him bleed out. Yes, I, I thought he was. I thought the Baron was like intentionally decorating with this man's blood because he's a crazy person. So I, I just missed the homophobia element, which is yeah. not shocking given our respective lives. It, it, yeah, it, it didn't shock me. But that yeah, I, I totally missed that. It's weird because is and there the, other stuff later in the movie that's homophobic, or is it just this one bit? I mean, his his character is a predatory. He's the only queer person in this movie. He's a predator and he's a villain. And he's covered in aid source. Okay. I didn't get the uh, the queer coding for him, I guess. Yeah, he stares at Sting. Like, oh, Sting I comes mean, out I and does like... I was staring at Sting and I'm a straight man, so I did... <laughs> coming out the... I mean, in an, un- an underwear that I want. Like, I want to wear that for my next bear night. 
But Baron is like basically licking his lips and like. I thought Sting was his kid. I thought these were his his children. nephew. Okay, okay. So okay, he. I mean, Baron is a creep. I'm not defending Baron, nor am I defending the movie. Yeah. I'm just saying I missed it. And also, like Baron is supposed to be like the character is described as so fat he needs uh, the the hover system to get around. Mm-hmm. He looks like Fat Bastard's after photo. Like he does not. Yeah. He's not fat enough for. I need this floating system. It seems like they hired a fat actor instead of like making a person much fatter with, with prosthetics. But I also wondered if it was part of like a practicality thing. Like if they put a fat suit on, like I put a big fat suit on him and then they try to move him around with the wire work they do, if it would just look ridiculous. That's possible. Although I feel like you could probably do something that's like, because he, he sort of has like an oogie boogie. Like he's wearing Mm. a suit, like a bodysuit the whole time. That's like, open at the chest for things um so i feel like you could have done something that was like just like stuffing like pillow stuffing sense the other thing too is like when you read that description to me it makes me think of someone floating in like a wally chair as opposed to this like standing up that he's doing which looks kind of cool honestly like it's a cooler thing in the movie but i was expecting like a job of the hut type like a big floaty chair yeah i think that would have been a little better also, Sting and his so Sting and the other guy are brothers, but Sting and not Meatloaf. Yeah, um, they look like every 1980s to mid 1990s small guy wrestling world champion who has a bodyguard that's just a monster that stands behind him and does his dirty work. And I just like the whole. Oh, are they a tag team duo? Is that how that essentially, works? Essentially, right. But like one guy is the champ and then he has his like backup. So it's like they're a team, but they don't, they do some tag team wrestling, but they're not like tag team champs. You, you follow. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's like they are like while the ref isn't looking, he tags them he in kind of thing. Yeah, like while the ref isn't looking, the 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 bag, the big guy does something, or like the 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 champion gets to be like a punk, and then when someone gets in his face, the big guy steps in and just like you know deals with it kind of thing. But that is basically what we're doing gotcha. here. Sting has what four lines in this movie, if that. Yeah. Also, the Baron like goes in like has an oil shower. At one point, so I so I thought he was bathing in the guy's blood. Like I thought it was like he pulled the ripcord and then blood, but that's not right. He's like it's an oil bath. No, it's yeah. bef- it's before he like because he like you don't know he can fly until he. It's like when you go to kill a bug and then it right, like right. zooms out and you're like, oh no! He's like getting his face his like face sores extracted, and then he like flies into the air and he goes under this pipe that's like leaking oil, yeah. and then he goes and sexually assaults the young boy yeah, and- in a. In a see-through outfit. In addition to the sexual assault thing, just so we are all operating on the same thing, every slave of the Baron has a like a little thing stuck in his heart, and or their heart. I assume there's women here too, so the Baron can at any point just like pull it out and drain your blood and kill you. Yeah, it's like um, like on an airplane, the uh, the in- the inflatable. Yes, yes. The inflatable life vest on an airplane. So uh, the, the we cut away from the bar- the Baron. Baron of what? I don't know. And then he's like, my two nephews, my greatest fighters. And I'm like, you know, it would have been a really cool way to introduce them. Showing them being great fighters and like right. savage on the battlefield. Like yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Or have them like just casually fighting four or five slaves at the same time just for funsies. Yeah. Or just like this. This scene is just the Baron be- talking to the to the doctor about how he's excited to have his nephews 
do stuff for him and then just keep cutting away to them yeah showing them fighting i don't need them in this room right right it's fine also there's a really gross scene right before he murders this boy that he like puts a mouse in a little thing and then juices it yeah the his his nephew not meatloaf it's a little glass box with a plunger on top and he squishes it down so you kill the mouse and then drinks it like a juice box Yeah, it's very very strange also, I apparently the heart valve thing is not in the books. Apparently that's a Lynchian creation. I think so are the face puzzle, the face sores. Oh, okay. Which I think is also why it's like a weird AIDS choice. Gotcha, gotcha. Because apparently in like the extended lore, because there's three books, there's three Dune right. books. So in later ones, you learn that like the the Eggs Benny sisters went to Baron Harkonnen and they were like, you're going to father a child. Um, and so he did one... He like had sex with one, uh, but he didn't like it because he's gay. And then the, that one was weak. So they're like, we're going to send a different one. And so he like raped the second one. Oh, Jesus. The second nun who showed up. And then she got mad and cursed him to be fat because he was like apparently like young and ripped or whatever. I see. So. So like a reverse thinner. Yes. Or Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Okay. Except he's not a water buffalo. No, he's not. Uh, so the... We needed an extended sequence of uh, this royal family of Lady Jessica and Leto and uh, Paul walking onto their spaceship and uh, space flying because I really needed to know what they looked like sitting in a spaceship flying. And then we needed to see the the Krang uh, brain baby shooting lasers out of its face into I don't know what. And just zip zaps up and around the, the, the space. Yeah, Paul's constantly floating. having visions that aren't explained as visions, which is fairly confusing and also fairly par for the course for a David Lynch movie. Yeah. At this point, I think we get down to the planet and the guy explains at length how the little spacesuit works to keep you alive if you're trapped. And it's like, boy, I wonder if this is going to be useful later. I will say, I do think the the thought put like in a in, in a in a half page description in a book you'd be like oh that's cool but when it's like yeah. a four page four minute scene in this movie where it's like and here's how the suit works and it takes your sweat and it recycles your sweat so you can drink it yeah. and i was like gross yeah i mean and if it's actually recycled maybe it's not gross it's also implied that, like you need these suits to survive in the desert like that's what they the, the implication is without this suit on it's 100% what you, it is yeah you will die you cannot survive yeah. And then later, Lady Jessica and Paul are just like walking out of a spaceship into the desert holding them. Well, they, and they're like, don't forget these suits. Well, he's like, we have to put our suits on. But then they, they take them and go because they're afraid of the worm. But like, they shouldn't have been. I, it's, it's my not, understanding was you step outside and like. Yeah, no, you mis, you misunderstood, I believe. Because uh, I interpreted it to be like, the this planet will kill you. Like, the, you cannot carry enough water to stay alive in this planet. You have to have zero loss, basically. But the breathing thing, I thought that so was a big. So it's not a. I thought it's not a breathing thing. It's a moisture recapture. You breathe. You breathe in through your mouth and out through your nose, and it pulls the moisture out of your breath, and then you drink it. Oh, oh. oh the whole suit. I okay. I, I I just. I guess I found this very interesting. The whole suit designed is like a the ultimate moisture recapture device. I do think it's cool, but like I did not catch. No, I that. get it. I get. Dude, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like. First of all, I missed that whole anti-gay thing, and second of all, this movie is fucking incomprehensible. Like, it's fine, but that's I I picked up on this one thing you didn't, and between the two of us, we probably still don't understand this movie. Yeah. So they're like, 
the Duke is going to the the spice mining planet, and oh, also these suits a, are one hundred percent like a hey, by the way, they're gonna get stuck in the desert later. Don't forget, <laughs> yes, don't forget exactly. Uh, an overhead announcement is like the Duke is here and will commence uh, the inspection of the mining operation, and then they get into their little like helicopter thing, yeah. and Patrick Stewart's like. Don't go over the intercom and say the Duke is here. No one must know. And I was like, he, everybody yes, knows, yes. right? Yeah. Like this is this doesn't like a surprise inspection. This feels like a week and a half ago. Your manager was like, "Hey, my boss is coming in on this yeah, day, yeah, yeah. so you need to be on your best behavior." Yeah, yeah. Let's get this ship straight. Yeah, uh, this is David Lynch's cameo, by the way, as this little spice miner down in the in the thing. Oh, really? So when they they, oh. they like. The whole gimmick is they are trying to mine the spice, but it brings these worms because they're attracted to the vibrations, which is just later done much better in Tremors. <laughs> yeah. Um, much, much better. And so they're like, oh, a worm is on the way. And then they like phone it into this little vehicle. And then they're like, uh, well, don't worry. The transport is inbound. And then like four seconds go by and they're like, sir, it's been seven minutes. Where's their transport? And yeah, that's like, why they're like, they're like this. There's a the worm is 15 minutes away from hitting the, the station. Yes. They pick up one of the two microphones on this ship for some uh -huh. reason. I don't know why this ship is duet ready. And then four seconds later, they're like, it's seven minutes in, in, incoming. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, no. You have to cut. Like, you have to cut away and back for time to pass. Movies have rules. And so... Uh, Lynch, meanwhile, the, is down there in the thing I think, going like, eh, there's a, there's a worm and a lot of spice to be mined. So we're going to keep working. Uh, I, so apparently, like, when the worms come, a thing is supposed to, like, a spaceship is supposed to, like, zoom out there and pick up the whole mining Correct. station. Yes. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. I imagine it like one of those big magnets, like a claw machine, just being like, yeah, or like from a, a brave little toaster. Yeah, exactly. But they're like, oh, the it's not coming. It's it, there's no communication with it, and I guess they're all just like, well, I guess we die. And then the the Duke is like, not on my watch. Uh, you're all gonna climb into here, and I'm like, this is a helicopter, yes. and there are 26 men here. Yeah. This vehicle must be much larger than it appears to be. But then the dude inside the mining thing goes, we can't leave the spice. And I was like, the whole planet's fucking spice. <laughs> There's infinity spice. Like, you're fine, dude. I think it's I think it's just the like their whole thing is being spice miners and they're basically enslaved to it. And so it's just like, well, if I don't come back with spice, they're going to put me in the worm. So I'd rather be eaten here. Uh, guess what? You have I'm the fucking Duke. Right. Whatever that means. Right. I am here saying, leave the spice. I'm the Duke of New York. Hey, you're the Duke of New York. I'm the Duke of Arrakis. Uh, the worm pops up. They, they rescue some people. I don't know if they get all of them. I think they say they get all of them. And then the worm pops up and eats the whole vehicle, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but they won't let us look at it. It's like through a, through a foggy window, covered in sand, right. surrounded by a sandstorm. And I'm like... Let me see the thing. Yeah, they do show it a bit later, but it's, I think they're trying, what they're trying to get across is this worm is so big. We can't like, it can't even fit on the frame. I think is the idea. Fair. Uh, Lady Jessica can't read the traitors. Oh, there's a traitor in this royal family. Right, Who cares? Right. And also at this Lady point, Jessica Kyle McLaughlin eats some spice, which causes him to have a vision. Yeah. It's like a, it looks like it's a, 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 a 
chalk pastel. Mm-hmm. Like it looks mm-hmm. like it's a set of chalk pastels, and he just picks one up and eats it. And I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's it's not explained how you normally consume spice, but this does seem odd. Well, especially because they're like spice is powers our vehicles, and people eat it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think there's a lot on planet Earth that <laughs> does both of those things. Um, I think I think there's some cars that run on car like corn oil, yeah, but like. Yeah. I'm not just shooting back corn oil. <laughs> no, I don't think most people are, no. But yeah, Lady Jessica can't read the trader's thoughts for some reason. Right. It's like a block or something like that. Uh, and then I wrote, I'm so bored. <laughs> and Kyle McLaughlin goes back to his room. And then a floating Hot Wheels bus pushes through his wall. With a needle in front. And very slowly crawls in the air around the room turning looking around and so for seven minutes we cut between this slow motion hot wheels bus on a on a fishing line and kyle mclaughlin's frozen stupid face being like i can grab it the bottom is slippery because it's this and blah 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 blah, and this and i can grab it and if someone opens the door this i can't call for help and i was like oh my god it's not moving (laughs) yeah and it's also like this his inner monologue is this weird whispered thing of I must control the fear, the fear controls me. I must control the fear, the fear controls me. And I'm just like, I don't know what manifesto you're repeating, but it makes you sound like a lunatic. And also, why like was that manifesto in place to stop him from using his power? Like, I don't get it. But he ends up it like literally goes up to his face yeah. and he doesn't grab it for some reason. Well, he's afraid to move quickly because it's like a, it's attracted to movement. So he's trying to move like very slowly to to get this thing. Yeah, but then it turns around and it's it's literally two inches from his face and turned around. And I was like, grab it, double hand that. Yeah. Uh, and then the door opens and the needle attacks the door and it's the lady who was Arnold's boss in kindergarten cop who assuredly yeah. got hired only because she's like four feet tall and looks ridiculous next to Arnold. Yeah. And she's in like one of those SVU type shows or criminal minds or something. Is that the same lady? Yeah. she's She looks like Edna Mode. Okay. So th- <laughs> there's some explosions happening and one of the Duke's advisors is like getting camera strobe flashed in his face and then he's he's like status report for blah blah blah, and the duke's like go get it and he picks up the microphone and he literally reads a math problem yes he's like circle back carry the one surround the four mug to the fourth up to the fourth power divided by three seven times six quadrant and i was like this is gibberish nonsense it's supposed to be like a secret code but it is i agree complete nonsense and then um the Duke goes into his son's room where he looks peacefully sleeping and he's like, good night, son. And he walks out of the room and then the camera pans back and it's Kyle McLaughlin trying to speak. And he says like, father drugged. And I was like, you show us all this bullshit <laughs> and you don't show us that he was drugged. <laughs> and Drugged by, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. Drugged by what? By whom? I was like, did he just eat too much spice? Like, is he just too high? <laughs> he's just tripping his face <laughs> exactly. off. Exactly. He's just like, I think I'm a glass of orange juice and if I move, I will <laughs> spill and I will die. <laughs> That's a real story I got told in Dare, by the way. Like, I'm sure really? something similar to that has happened to somebody sometime. But I think I'm thinking about that like 
with some regularity when I whenever I pour a glass of OJ, which is not a frequent occurrence, but occasionally. No. And I just always think of this story that they told 10-year-old me that was like a person did drugs and they thought they were a glass of orange juice. And if they moved, they would spill. And if they spilled, it would be their body emptying and they would die. That's what they told me. They were like, this is why you shouldn't do drugs. What a I mean, crack of shit. Not, not, that's, I don't think someone who does a weed would think that, but... I think there are some snorting drugs or some shooting drugs that would do that to yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, LSD, mushrooms, that seems like, you know, hallucinogenics, but I just, I just, it's just such an insane, like, there's no way that's real. That exact sequence no. can't be real. I don't believe it. No. And so the Duke is just, he's just wandering around on his own. And I was like, how is he not have, like, surrounded by an entourage? Right. right. At the point where you and- know he's in danger, like, protect the man. Yeah, and then he hears a, like, sound down an alley, and he's like, let me go down this dark path by myself. And I'm like, how? Yeah. How are you alone? Nonsense. So at this point, (laughs) the the other big eyebrow man with the diamond on his forehead, who has a name that I don't know, but he's like a, a, he's one of the mentalists, or mentats, rather. He's a doctor. Yeah. But he's not as strong as the eggs Benny ladies. Right. So he recruits the bad guy from Air Force One who's getting released from prison in order for that heist to go off to use this fake tooth and No, he that's the that's the Duke. Which one's the Duke? The the traitor with the diamond on his head puts the tooth in the Duke's face. Okay, well the Duke is the bad guy from Air Force One. Oh. Okay. In in Air Force One, there's this like whole convoluted thing where they're like, you must release our comrade from prison. And then the guy in prison is the Duke. Got it. So he like tases him to the ground and he's like, hey, everyone's going to die already, but you're going to kill Baron Harkonnen by biting down on this gas capsule and blowing in his face. And in exchange, I will save your your wife and your son. Which like seems like a fair deal if you're going to die anyway. I guess. But also like you could also not shot me you know yeah what I mean? no i mean that's that's true so he he puts this tooth in it's like pretty gnar- like it seems like it should be way gnarlier than it is and then we cut to this landing party and there there's like a siege happening and patrick stewart is inexplicably holding this dog holding a dog he's holding a pug it's never addressed but it's just like oh this is this is this is my war pug like what what are we doing here it's so bizarre i'm i mean the visual is cool but I, it's weird and so uh, this battle just happens. There's no like preamble or like you think it's going to happen soon kind of right. thing. And it just happens. And then th- we cut smash cut from that from the battle to Lady Jessica with a gag in her mouth and Kyle MacLachlan like tied up on the floor. Right. And again, the movie just gets keeps getting rapey. Right. Yeah. The Baron spits in her face. It's really great. And not spits like leak spit out of his mouth. It's the grossest way it's, to do it. Ugh. Ugh. Like, I 100% would rather the kind of spit than someone, like, drooling onto me. Uh-huh. And then he leaves and Brad Dorif like, gets a turn to be rapey as hell. Yeah, he he's, just... he's doing the, like, good cop, bad cop, but both of us are horrible monsters. He's, like, gently wiping the spit out of her face, and it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. everything about this sucks. There's also this weird moment where, like, they cut to not Meatloaf throwing people off a bridge, yes. and they're just walking up to him. Right. Well, it's like, you know... It's like a Mel Brooks it's movie. It's like the putties approaching a good guy. I guess, this yeah. This is the point where Duncan pops back into the movie just to get murdered immediately. Mm-hmm. So he he, he turns on his Minecraft armor. 
And they have special slow bullets, yes. apparently. Yeah, because again, this is stupid armor. I, Duncan gets killed and he's, he's falling. He's like, Derek, <laughs> why have you forsaken me? So they're in, they're, it's Lady Jessica and Kyle McLaughlin are in a helicopter being, you know, ferried out to the desert because uh, that's what the traitor had said to do with them. And he, all of a sudden, Kyle can do the, like, Deadite voice. Right. And I was like, what? Yeah, never explained, never part of it. And it's not like... Never an inkling that this was a thing before. Right. And it's not like the mom is like, you must try, you know? It's just like, oh, I can do this yeah. now. Telepath to right, him. Right, And then he makes her makes one of the dudes take her blind, her gag out. And she's like, okay, kid, sit, have a seat. Yeah, I got yeah. this. So they take over the ship and he's flying. Meanwhile, we cut back to... The Duke is the is the Tooth Man. The Duke has the tooth. The Duke is the one with okay, the tooth. That's your, mm-hmm. The actor's name is Jurgen Prochnow, which I I had written down and could not remember. It's a good name, Jurgen Prochnow. It's fun to say. He yeah. he tries to get the Baron close, but he accidentally kills Brad Dourif instead. It looks kind of cool. There's like apparently I don't know sixteen super soakers worth of gas hidden in this tooth. Yeah, apparently it's a big spray that comes out. He also thinks Brad Dorif is the is the Baron, and I'm like, I don't know. He's, I don't know how many drugs you're on if you think that. He's very, very high, it seems. Because I, I, I got to be honest with you. I think you could beat me to the point that my eyes didn't open all the Like, I have just, like, the narrowest of slits, you know, through through eyebrow or through mm-hmm. eyelashes. And I think I could pick the Baron out of a lineup. Yeah. He's pretty... Unless, also, unless the probably, uh, probably by smell. Unless the I'll be honest, yeah, you're probably right. Unless the Baron is side by side with those two fat twins on the motorcycles from the Guinness Book of World Records, like I don't know that you're not. <laughs> or uh, John Leguizamo and Spawn. Yeah, exactly. Like unless it's yeah, unless the lineup is John Leguizamo, it's Fat Bastard, John Leguizamo <laughs> from Spawn, fat, Baron Harkonnen, the twins on the motorcycle. Record. Yeah, and it's like I think I would get it. Also, yeah. also like actual free Willy the whale suspended in the air. Yeah. <laughs> any any of the people from Wally. Right. right. It's like I unless that's the lineup. I think and even with that lineup, I think I'm picking out the, the Baron. I think maybe so. Wreck It Ralph is there too. He's enormous. He's beefy, yeah. So Kyle vows revenge because he like knows his dad is dead through like telekinetic connection, I guess. I don't know. And then he's and then he goes on a rant about how the spice is poison and his mother knew it would poison him and I was like, where is this coming yeah, from? Yeah, I was very very confused, which is my general state while watching this movie, I would say. Yeah. So he sets up these like pulsing like vibrating things cool, that like attract w- worms. It's brilliant. If you're if you're mining on a desert planet where there are worms attracted to vibrations, you would create right. this. That makes sense. But so he puts one in the sand and then he goes to his mom and goes, walk without rhythm. What in the fuck does that yeah, mean? And then I was like, okay, I'm going to intensely study the way they're walking because I need to know what that means. I was expecting like a, like a stutter step and then a long step where like the hands coming in. Yeah. Like it. you, you walk to the side, you take a big side right. step and then some forward yeah. steps and like you do a, a, a somersault. I don't know. Like you're crawling. Like the hands are involved at some stage. Like I was desperate to know what this meant, and it, nothing, not a thing. Just normal walking. Yeah. So they run into this mountain to hide, and there's a really wicked stunt fall for Kyle McLaughlin's character that I have to give credit to this stunt person because they were sore for three to four weeks. Oh yeah, I mean, I just wrote that I hope Kyle, I hope Paul falls into the sn- <laughs> the worm and dies, and the movie's over. 
But I wouldn't be so lucky because there's an hour there's left. A full hour left at this point. So the the remake, just to, just so you know, is 155 I'm minutes. I'm not even a little bit surprised. I honestly was expecting three And plus. only covers half the book. <laughs> I was expecting three hours easy. I, well, I, when they said it was going to cover half the book, I was like, oh, it'll probably be like a two-hour movie, yeah, like can't whatever. Make, you can't make a two-hour movie anymore. It's, it's not allowed. It's against the rules. Goddamn Cruella DeVille's movie is two hours and 15 minutes. But the, it's there's a lot of credits. <laughs> there's a lot yes, of credits. The actual in that one. movie is two hours and one minute, and it's fifteen minutes of credits. But still, like all these new movies with all the CGI, like there's fifteen minutes of credits. Like the two animated hundred one Dalmatians movies, hundred one Dalmatians, hundred two Dalmatians, are like seventy five minutes each. <laughs> You could almost watch both well, in the same time. Take it's because, to be fair, Hundred One Dalmatians was, um, I think, it was the first movie after Walt died, and it was very cheap and very quick. That's fine. I'm just saying it's t- the- it's one of those it's one of the Xerox ones where there's a lot of like they should have been doing more racing. Sure, sure. Again, fine. I'm just saying it tells a complete story in 75 minutes. Yeah. I liked Cruella. It was up there with Cinderella for the better live action movies. I think it's fine. Because a lot of them are garbage. I think it's fine, but you could excise 35 minutes of that movie without breaking a sweat. Yeah, but I don't know what you're cutting. Unless you're cutting beginning stuff. Yeah, like, I'm cutting beginning, middle, and end stuff. There's a lot of scenes that I'm just like, again, well, I want point. No, because I don't want you to cut the fashion, and I don't want you to cut the snarkiness, and I don't want you to cut high, glam- cam- high, high camp glamour. So, okay, but how about we cut one of the four scenes in which we go into the the man's shop who uh, has secondhand clothing? Like, how will we cut one of those? There's only two. There's there's only no, two. She goes in the shop two times, and then two times he's in her shop. But it's just like cut some of oh, the shit. Wait a minute, no, trim it down. Her going to him is not him going to we her. Do not need a scene where he's like, "Good night, love. I'm going home now." Cut trim. There's thirty seconds. I've already saved us thirty seconds. Anyway, back to this, because we have to get to the end of this movie eventually. Uh, we get more voiceover of the word spice. I I hate it. <laughs> this is where the, uh, the freemen pop out, and they, there's like a big confrontation. And then Lady Jessica like subdues their leader, and I was like, so did, has she had powers this whole it's time? Not only powers, she also seems to know kung fu. Like, she's like skilled fighter. Would have been helpful at any point yes. in this movie. Lady Jessica. There are many times in which you were being overpowered by goons that it would have been super rad if you could use your magic powers to get out of it. Speaking of Cruella, Glenn Close was up for the role, was offered the role of Lady Jessica and said no. Wise decision. And she, and she executive produced the Cruella movie just because she could. I mean, she probably had, they probably had to do that. They had to go kiss the ring. Oh, yeah. So the, Paul meets this lady and he's like, the woman of my visions and my love. And I'm like, okay, you've literally never spoken to this woman. And your vision of her is a moon that turns into her face sometimes. Let's pump the goddamn brakes with the love. And then they go back to the to the people and the guy's like, we're going to call you Usli, but no one will call you that because it's a secret. So pick your own at name. The, and I was at like, the point where, huh? At the point where we're introducing a secret name that's never coming back in the movie and then a name that he chooses so that they can call him something. I just like I put the pen and the pad down and I was like, you know, I give up. Like, what are we what, doing? What is this? What the fuck is going on? What nonsense is this? 
And so I think this is probably where the the remake is going to end when he's like, I am yeah. Mordu. Yeah. Like, no, that's the bear from Brave. <laughs> I didn't write Whatever. his name. He's Mordu. I am, he's the bear from I Brave. the bear from Brave. Yeah, you're 100% right. That is the end of the movie. That's definitely going to be. You just took like, that movie boom. from something that I was like kind of interested in watching, especially because it'll be on HBO Max, to something that I'm like, well, never in 100 years. No, no. I mean, I might like peruse it on a laptop because the hbo max app for ps4 sucks and you can't really scrub well at all mm. so i'll probably go, go through on a laptop and like skip around yeah like some of the effects are cool i love batista like i you know i gotta support my buddy there but I, yeah he's an interesting choice for the um for the for the not not meatloaf guy no he's playing the meatloaf guy and then the other guy is sting he's the not sting. yeah i call he's not meatloaf that character is not that actor is not meatloaf oh 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 oh, oh i'm sorry i thought I thought you were saying he's an interesting choice for the not meatloaf guy. No, no, no. no. He's an interesting not meatloaf guy. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Quotate the phrase in is open quote is, not meatloaf yes, guy end yes, quote. Exactly. Yes. Yes. As opposed. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a rad choice for that. I mean, I think Batista rules. I, I've said this before. I think Batista. No, I like Batista. I just think for that that role seems small for him. I would imagine it's a little more beefed up than in this. Hmm. Like he's probably got more to do, but maybe not. I mean, he's a, he's a good. Yeah. That's a good. It's a good spot for him to be. Um. So this is where uh, Sting comes out in the underwear version yes. of the spacesuit, and I just want it's it. Crazy what he's wearing here, and like Sting is a lithe person, but th- he clearly looks like he hasn't had a glass of water. He's in- got a great body. He also looks like very dehydrated to make all those muscles pop. I was like, my poor yeah. man, get him because he's water. not like he's not like bulky no, and beefy. No, no. He's just like shredded. M- shredded and trim and and as i said before baron is just licking his lips staring at him yeah he's wearing the smallest Um, possible bathing suit bottom basically i think it's a jock strap i think i think he turns around and we don't see the back but i wouldn't argue with you was that weird science where that happened where someone turns around and there's no butt i feel like that's that's in weird science yeah it is um it's when uh i think it's bill paxton walks down the hallway his butt sticking out probably that sounds right um and so then they're like, we have decided you're going to be our Reverend Mother, Lady Jessica. And I was like, so each planet has their own? I thought right. I thought a Reverend Mother was like the one, like a Pope kind of thing. Right, right. So Also, there's this they're whole, like, like, cutaway to like a baby and a vat of goo, and it's just gross. Didn't need it. There's like five or six sequences in this movie that are just like an artsy kids video project that's just like uh-huh. water dripping into a puddle, a baby writhing in goo, waves crashing in the ocean. And I'm just like, okay, David Lynch, this is not your goddamn MFA thesis project. Get on with Get it. Get to the point. So they make Lady Jessica drink the water of life, which like she does, it like hurts. And then it kills the other Reverend Mother. Yes. And I was like, well, who? I don't know this person. Right. They're like psychically linked, I guess. I don't know, because I was like, I was in the impression that the Reverend Mother was the mean lady from the beginning. Right. And then she's not dead, because we see her later. Right. So I was like, I don't know who just died. Right. And then this is that sequence that's deeply confusing is immediately followed by the Baron and Sting and not Meatloaf guy barging in on the dude with the crazy eyebrows that was the mentalist or mentat for the, uh, the previous administration, the Duke. the Duke. And they're like... Ah, your port key has been installed, so now we can rip your heart out anytime. Also, the only way for you to stay alive is to pet this cat 
And then Sting is holding a cat that has a rat, like, glued to it or something. It looks like it's supposed to be a science experiment kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, the... The, the poison... <laughs> you've been poisoned, and there's an antidote in this cat that when you pet it, it secretes the antidote. So you have to pet the cat to stay alive. And I was like, I'm just... I'm lost. Yeah. I would like to take an Uber <laughs> yeah, out of this movie. I would movie. love to take an Uber out of this movie. Hey, hey buddy, I, I need you desperately. Get over here. Like... The- Honestly, so I almost watched this movie last night, and instead I ended up watching. I was like, "Oh, I have enough time to watch it today, the day we record." And I kind of wish I had started it yesterday because I, I, I truly would have been like halfway through, but like, "Trip, I, <laughs> is there a plan B?" Like, <laughs> literally, let's watch anything it's, other than it's this. Bizarre, man. It's really weird. And like, I tend to like weird stuff. I feel that I like weird stuff. I do. Normally, yes. And this is just a bridge too far. But then the the kicker of this is. Like Sting's like, I'd love to kill him, Dad. And then the guy's like, no, no, no. Give him his cat. We never see the man or the cat in the movie again. Why is this in the movie? What is the purpose? Nope. It's awful. I was like, surely there will be something involving this weird cat sequence. Nope. Because the guy's even like... He like in Because everyone has their fucking inner thoughts out loud. He's like, my duke... I love you yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, is he going to kill himself so that he doesn't have to, so that in the name of the yeah. Duke? I don't know. Because he's also, he might he's have. also bound like arms over his head as well. Because I, I was like, oh, maybe he's going to rip his thing out. And then I was like, oh, uh-huh. no, he can't because he's stuck to the wall. So Paul starts training warriors and they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to be like guerrilla warfare. We're going to attack the spice production. Well, he also says, I love you. Um, girl with blue eyes yeah. that i just yeah. met five well, minutes ago I mean, we knew that was coming but yes it's quite ridiculous like even for movie standards i'm like this was five minutes <laughs> yes. ago like normally they kiss he's literally like i've always loved you kiss <laughs> like, huh? what? so now we get some explanation for the guns which is that it like basically vibrates your voice to the point of death for others yeah but like why is he special about I don't it i know I don't get it because he's the chosen one. Cause it, yes. Yeah. But like, then he should be the only one who could do right, it. Right. Well, if, if this whole military can learn it, then like, I think it's like they all can learn to use this gun. But later in the movie, we see him do it without the gun. And then they're all like, Oh shit. He's the chosen one. I get, yeah. Also, this room is the hundred greatest warriors of the tribe, like the hundred greatest fighters. And the idea is like, mm-hmm. I'll train the top 100 myself personally. And then that 100 will train a thousand. Which, you know, makes sense, like, you know, uh, spreading sure. around. There's like five ac- Efficiency. There's like five actual children in this room. Like, actual children uh-huh. are in this room. I'm sorry. There is no child that is capable of being the greatest warrior in a tribe that includes adults. That's nonsense. No way. Like, that. No that's way. a really funny episode of HBO's Barry, which I love, where a child beats up Bill Hader. But in real life, there's no child. Apparently, her... I, I I haven't watched Barry, but I have I, I like Bill Hader in interviews. That girl is just like in a, a stunt family. Yeah, her parents are stunt people. And they were because Bill Hader wrote the script. Was like I don't know how we're gonna find a kid to do this. We'll probably have to rewrite it. And then the one guy was like, "Oh, my stunt coordinator no has no, a daughter." No, no. They, and he, they they saw videos. The stunt guy was showing other people the videos, and then someone asked Bill Hader if he'd seen it, and he watched the videos, and then they wrote that into the show. 
Oh, the on on Conan he flipped that story. Really? I thought he told it the other. Oh, maybe I'm misremembering. I thought he told it as oh this this uh, this kid was amazing. We had to figure out a way to put her on television. No, uh, but but that's a funny thing on Barry. If I like, I'm sorry. There's no ten year old that could kill me without a weapon. I don't believe it. Even with the no. weapon, I'm I'm still taking. I'm still thinking I got a decent odds with a like some sort of stick or knife or something. I think so. And I'm a dude. Yeah, he's like I'm not a tough explaining. Guy. I'm just be to be clear. No. He's explaining like the breadth and depth of his powers and how they work and how they can do them too. And I was like, so if they can do them, you're not special, buddy. I think he's saying anyone can use this gun and the gun is like an extension of your body is like sort of the vibe I got. But it's stupid. Gobbledygook. Um, It it is, is, however, extremely cool when he like calls out a worm and then figures out how to ride it, which happens very quickly after. Yeah, so he's like, uh, what I don't understand is he goes, I must prove myself their leader. I must kill a worm. Huh? Yeah. Th- that is a... N- somehow you got to point A that somehow led you to point <laughs> yeah. B, which somehow led you to point uh, five. I, so somehow you you jumped not where I sh- think you should yeah, go. Yeah, I agree. I was very confused. Um, am I crazy or was there an episode of The Mandalorian where there was like a giant beast worm thing 100%. that Mando had yeah, to... 100%. Yeah. Okay. Because that's when, that's when Baby Yoda two. does the thing. Yeah, it's the first episode of season two. Was yep. it? Oh. Because that's the first time Baby Yoda does the 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 Force. Uh, it might not be the first time he does it. It's definitely one of the most powerful times he does it. But yeah, it's. I mean, they definitely. Yeah. Th- there's a hundred percent. That is very. That episode is very influenced by this movie, for sure. Yeah, I need to finish that show. So there's a scene on um, Harkonnen, and well, doing so the, like gorilla it's warfare just like, spice truck attacks. It's just weird because. There's so much preamble for him, like luring the worm out yeah, and yeah. then like figuring it out. And then he's like, I'm going to ride the worm right. with, with, a, with a, like a harness, like a couple of straps. Yeah. Into it. It, and I was like, that is bizarre. And then all of a sudden there's just a battle happening. And I was like, we don't, what, who, who's right. fighting? And then it, it's, it's where very are we quickly is like, oh, they're just attacking the mining ships over and over again, like destroying the ships. And then. Once again, we get the same lines we already heard, but in VO from from McLaughlin. And I was like, shut up! <laughs> shut up! So at this point, there's like, these things are ramping up, and the 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 not um, the not Milov guy is uh, I keep, I wrote them down as Diesel and Shawn Michaels for Sting, and Ra- Shawn Michaels being Sting, and, and Diesel being the other guy, which only works for me, but not Meatloaf guy is funny. Uh, he is like keeping it from the Baron that the ships keep getting destroyed. Well, so no, so first off, the one of the troops comes back and it keeps saying Muadib, and they hear that he hears this and goes, "Who is Muadib?" And they're like, "He kept saying that name." And I was like, "That that's a name to you people. You have names like Paul yeah. and Jessica. Yeah. Why is Muadib a yeah. name inherently?" I think it's like one of those situations where it's like, "Oh, the locals have weird names, you know. Oh, we're down here on this planet, but the locals are." The freemen are non-existent. Like they're they don't know they exist. Yeah. They're ghosts. So it's very confusing. And then Virginia Madsen goes, for the next two years, a battle ensued. And I was like, we're doing a two-year time <laughs> yes, jump? Yes. They're like, are you fucking and me? It's like, there's 32 minutes left in this movie. What on earth is happening? So it's awful. So he reunites with Patrick Stewart, who's like, uh, I thought you were dead. Like, how could this be? And, and and you know, Kyle McLaughlin and he hug. And I'm like, so are they on the same team now? And then 
I'm fast forwarding. We'll go back. But at the end of this movie, Patrick Stewart is wearing the strangest wig I've ever seen. It's like. I missed the it's wig. Pat- I was very tuned out at the end. It's, of this movie. it's Patrick. So you picture in Patrick Stewart, right? And you mm-hmm. know how like on uh, certain things, he's got like a little hair. Like 20 years ago, he had a little hair like on the he had the the ring like the, the, the you know, from the temples around yeah. the back. So it's that pattern, but 18 inches long. So he's <laughs> I'm going to have to like a find ben that Franklin skullet thing going on. And then we get this like so uh, the 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 Krang people go to the emperor from the beginning and mid conversation we keep rip tra- like the screen rips open transitions to Ka- to Kyle MacLachlan then rip transitions back and I was like it happens like seven yeah. times in this like 2 minute scene yeah. and it's stupid and this is where it's like oh you need to drink the 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 water of life he goes i need to drink the water of life and i was like why <laughs> it's been told to won't him. that kill your mom right. that's what i thought was going to happen i thought that would kill your mom um and so he does that and then they cut to the mom and the daughter and then all the other eggs benny sisters are like bleeding out their ears i missed why you started calling them the eggs benny sisters and i've been confused for the whole podcast so just for my benefit and those their name is the 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 benny gisos or whatever the fuck and so i just called them the bennies i completely missed. and so eggs benny i I just had the 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 uh the powders the bald nun ladies i didn't i didn't do powder but that is accurate their their name is like the Benny the Ben Guiso or whatever something I stupid see. and so they're the Bennies. Hey, um, hey you uh you like us a Benguiso? <laughs> how about a, yeah? How so about they're a like Benguiso on the side of your pasta. See, they're all like bleeding out their ears, and I'm like, so is he killing all right, of them? Right, right, right. You think he's what's happening a by doing this? Um. So Baron Harkonnen comes into the Emperor's chamber, and it's full of people yeah. for some reason. And his nephew's head is just sitting yeah, there. It's not. It's like, oh, Meatloaf's head is just come there. Come on, man! Why didn't you show me that? I bet it looked cool as hell. Right. Also, while he's like, while everyone's bleeding, he's like, the spice is the worm. The worm is the spice, which I guess makes sense, sort of. But also, I still don't know if that means like literally the worms are the spice. Well, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, and then his little sister shows up, and I was like, she's there with no protection or bodyguard like well to be fair she is extremely badass yes but like what if anyone what if someone snuck up behind her like yeah. wh- come it on is a child it is an actual <laughs> child they, with shitty adr being like her development was unbelievably fast and this like eight-year-old kid walks out and instead of being like you should be afraid of my brother they do the voice switch so it's you should be afraid of my brother it's very um Village of the Damned. Yes. It's it's that kind of ADR. Um, and so the, this is where we learn that the Emperor's Palace is on the Spice Planet, there which is, no, they, feels like they, a thing. They have him bring the, the palace is like a ship. Oh, okay. I thought it was a ship. Like I was a, like, why would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they call it. But why would you there. land on this dangerous worm planet anyways, well, ever? It was a trick. That's the whole thing. They the 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 emperor is like Baron Harkonnen. Why did you call me here? And Baron Harkonnen's like, I didn't call you here. I don't know what you're doing here. Oh well, he says I didn't call you, and then he says your ineptitude called me here. Oh okay. I thought it was subterfuge with the child. I thought at first, but then he says your your okay, you know this. your inadequacy has okay. called me here. I have to step yeah. in. And I was like, well, <laughs> you can. Yeah, I, I missed this entirely. I'm sorry. This could have been an email. <laughs> 
as all meetings should. Um, so the the head evil eggs Benny lady with the emperor is like, kill that little girl, and the little girl like force pushes her back, and she's like, tell them who I am. Yeah. My brother is Paul Maguido or whatever the med. What is it? Atreides. Moadib. No, Moadib. Oh, right. She says, my brother's Paul Moadib. Yeah, that's, right, that's right. That's right. And I'm like. I'm like, they don't know him. <laughs> They're like, name doesn't who? mean anything. He made it up an hour ago. <laughs> no, we made it up two years ago. Um, also, and speaking so, of Mario, this little girl ate some friggin' red and white mushrooms because she is supposed to be two years old and she is like 10. Well, that's what they I say. Know, that's I what know, she, she progressed. Um so she's like, my brother is coming. And so they all run away and we get some really, you know, what's great in an action sci-fi movie is shots of old men staring in periscopes, slowly spinning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's it's the wor- That's my favorite part of any fantasy sci-fi the epic. the worst version of the scene where like Luke goes running to one turret and Han goes running to one turret and they're, they're having, you know, the big, but don't get cocky. Yeah. But this is done with like, like all the men are 112 and you don't see what they're no. shooting and they don't act like they're no, shooting. They have no idea what they're supposed to be doing. And meanwhile, outside friggin uh, Kyle McLaughlin is riding this worm into battle with his entire battalion atop the worm. And I'm like, show that stop showing this stupid also, room. Also earlier, these worms traveled like a hundred miles a yeah. minute. Now, all of a sudden they are, 50cc Mario Kart. <laughs> and I was like, what happened between then and now? Like, yeah. The, if the worms are faster underground, then then you should have it be a little bit out of ground and you ride it and it's faster that Alternatively, way. Alternatively, like, you ride anything else and let the worms go much faster. Yeah. And so, th- for some reason, the Emperor is like, Baron Harkonnen, take care of this little girl. We're all leaving. And I was like, this is gross yeah. and yeah. weird. And then I guess she has mind control. Well, she because she's like jabars him in the face and then blows him out the window. No, because he's like staring at her, and like it's like in scary movie when Sydney and Cindy's running at at the ghost face killer, and he's like checking his watch and like drinking a drink and like making a sandwich. Right, right. They're taking forever to worm their way to the castle, and Baron Harkonnen's just like looming towards her, and she keeps going, "Wait for my brother to get here." wait for my brother <laughs> and i was like so are you controlling sure him or is like, he just yeah, like yeah. deciding to wait but then she scratches him across the face and then pulls two little things out of his chest and the effect is as if she popped him and he's a balloon because he starts going like <laughs> and swirling it's spinning just room. spinning on his back spinning yeah, he gets he goes swirly all over the room and then the, there's a hole in the wall and he gets sucked out of it directly into a worm's mouth and like it should be a cool, satisfying moment. Like if they if they had a moment where they kicked Jabba the Hutt off that floating barge and into the mouth of that thing, it would look like super mm-hmm. freaking cool. But this is like yeah. a tiny little pinprick sized uh Baron floats into a the mouth of this thing, which takes up the entire screen and just is just the thing closes its mouth and all of the people up there with Paul like nod solemnly at each other of like, yes, we've accomplished our accomplished everything. You want to know what happens to Baron Harkonnen in the books? Yeah. He possesses that little girl. Oh. Yep, she absorbs his power and personality, and then he starts to take over her body sometimes, and then she kills herself. Wow. In the first book? I don't know if it's oh, the first okay. book, but it's one of the books. That's crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And then, so this battle like ends, and then it, it for some reason they were like, you know how this battle should end? A slow mo of this little girl. Yeah, yeah. Why? It's so bizarre. And then it's like so anticlimactic. It's so, it's like there's this huge like war battle raging, and then we cut to like Paul enters the court with some of his people, and like the court of the king, not court of the like you know bang it. The court yeah. of the emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Sting steps forward and is like. Well, I'll take you down. And they both put, he's like, well, grab the emperor's knife then. And he has him get the emperor's knife. And then there's like a four minute long bizarre knife fight. And it's just like of two characters who've had nothing to do with each other. They've never seen each other before. What is this animosity? Well, apparently they're related according to, according to trivia. They're related somehow. I don't know fucking anything, but well, they're related well, if somehow. They were both of the line of the of the the, uh, the Benny people. Perhaps they could be related that way. That's apparently that the eggs Benny ladies were like, we're gonna make he the sting is like one of their super soldiers, yeah. basically. But this is like this is built to be such a big moment. Like we cut around to the edge. There's ten minutes left, and it feels like they're like, come on, wrap yeah. it up. All these men are playing drums around the room, and they're like cool looking drums. The 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 set design is cool, but yeah, they're like, they're like triangular dum, and dum, angular. Dum, 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 dum. And they're doing this big fight, and it's like the end of a bad original series Star Trek episode is what's happening now. Yes. And also, I was like, "Hey, buddy, you have a magic voice. Why don't you use right. that?" At one point, they're like wrist fighting. Hey, Sting, kill yourself. Well, they're like wrist fighting, and Sting has a blade pop out of his belly, and then he's like not trying to use it at all. It's very confusing. Because well, at first, I thought that I thought I was like, "Did Kyle McLaughlin just stab Sting?" Right, right. I thought so too. And it was like, no. And then eventually, he he does something like. You know, we get the the inner monologue dialogue thing, and he's like, I must be like a reed on the wind and bend. And then he does, and he throws Sting over, and he stabs him. It's a pretty cool stabbing up through the chin. It is. But But also, like, you have magic powers, buddy. So does your sister. So does your mom. And at this point, it's like, he kills Sting. He stands up, and the people in the room are like... He is the chosen one. He is the hand of Did God. Did you catch the one, the the one dude, <laughs> the like head of the Freeman people? <laughs> the way he says Muadib is like a gay guy at a like a gay guy at a bar whose friend just like totally like fooled around with someone in the bathroom. <laughs> like that's the that is the energy. He goes. He's like he goes Muadib, <laughs> and I was like catch that. I was like, is he Samantha from Sex in the City? Like, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he he bellows and the floor splits open. So now we know he can do the like the voice power without using the gun. And then there's like a big sh- you know showdown with the emperor. And then he like uses his voice to the emperor's eggs. Benny yeah. lady gets taken yeah, down. He like blows her back with his voice and essentially like stands up and is like, I am in the in control now. And then I am a man. Yeah. You are a yes. woman. And then he. Like, starts staring. We get this tight close-up of him, and he's, like, thinking of ocean waves, and which is inexplicable on its face. And then it starts raining, and I'm like, well, why wasn't he thinking about goddamn rain? Like, why is he thinking about the ocean waves? But then this planet that has never had a drop of rain, it's, you know, all out pouring down rain. And they're like, he is the chosen one, the hand of God. And then it's like, he is the Guisan, the, he is the, I don't know. Kunin, something like that. He is the he is Lapan Cotidian. You said it right earlier, and then now you've forgotten it. But then, then um, it's like smash cut. The movie's over. We're doing credits. Guisat's Hatterack. There you go. 
And they're like, he is hit. He is the Guisat Hatterick. Wham, movie over. Here's the credits. And the credits is a shot of the rolling. I didn't bother. Oh, no. You didn't see the, you didn't at least see the first like one pop on screen. The first one, it was like a person. Yes, it was, yes, there, yes. It was like in alphabetical order and there was one person's photo in them. And I was like, no, no get out of here. I didn't watch all of them, but I was like, it's rolling ocean waves and then like a turn and smile from each person as their name comes up. But one of the people who is shown there isn't in the movie. Like they were cut entirely what? in this version and their picture. I didn't, I did not wait around to see it because I couldn't be done this fast enough. But one, that's great. One though. of the people credited there who like gets a turn and smile and their name isn't in the movie, which I thought was funny. I do love that. Uh, I mean, there's just no, I don't even have to ask. There's just nothing to this. Fuck this is no. So incomprehensibly bad to me. And like, I know there's going to be people out there. It's a yeah, mess. We got a bunch of like comments about our crocodile Dundee, you know, that people thought we took him too, you know, took it too seriously or whatever. But like, I know there are fans of this show who love Dune. They're just like super into it. I'm, I will say I'm very curious to read the book. I, I think, I think that could be an experience I would enjoy. Yeah. But this movie version, I could also is not I could it. Also, see a world in which, like, if I discovered this on my own when I was ten and I had read the book, or I watched this movie, I might have loved it. Like, it's it's crazy. there was a, there was a two thousand mini a year two thousand mini series. Okay, I didn't know that. Switch. So I'm I'm curious to try uh, like that. If I go into it knowing it's a mini series and it's going to be longer and it's broken up for yeah. me, sure, yeah, it could be this new one that's two and a half hours for half the book. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about all and that. Like, my other beef is like, you know, nothing against Dennis Villanueva, the director in general, but this whole thing of people bitching about, you know, oh, you know, if if it's available on home screens, it's not, it's not the same. It's just like I don't want to go have this. It's, it's a long podcast. So I want to go into this, but I really do feel like a lot of these people have not been in a regular person's movie theater in a decade or more. And it's like when they go see movies, it's a premiere and it's just a very polite audience who's enjoying a little bag of popcorn and being nice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey man, like I went to see the new Halloween two years ago or three years ago now, and I was so geeked out for it and it was opening night and the dude next to me would not shut his goddamn mouth. And I had to yell at him and it sucked. It sucked for everybody. And it was just like, I know mm-hmm. that that's like one thing, but it happens to me all the time when I go to the movies that it sucks. And if I can be, I like, yeah, I love going to the movies, but sometimes I just want to sit on my goddamn couch. I'll turn the lights off. I'll make some popcorn. I'll do the whole shebang. I don't have to spend $80 for a popcorn. But it's not even the money for me necessarily. Like, yes, you're 100% right. It's expensive. I, I'm not trying to be like you know, a little rich boy over here. Not even the tickets. Like, the tickets are right. fine. It's the it's the concession right, stand. Right, It's robbery. But like, I... I can guarantee the viewing experience in my house will be exactly what I want it to be. It will be like church because that's mm-hmm. how I treat a lot of movies. Like I'm going to turn the lights off. I'm going to get nice and snuggly under my blanket. I'm going to have my favorite drink and I'm going to put my phone away. I will tuck it into the couch so I can't get to it. And I'm just going to. I will put on do not right. disturb mode and it goes right. over there. And I'm just going to watch this movie. And I guarantee you I'm having a better experience than I might have at a theater where some schmuck behind me won't stop talking. Like I. Get off yeah. your high horse. I went to see Incredibles 2 at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday because I had gotten done yeah. work. I closed at work and I was like, oh, 9 o'clock on a Tuesday. I still had movie yeah. pass because that was yeah. a thing. And I was like, no, this is not going to be a, a a full experience. Yeah. Mama, when I say there was one seat left for me. Wow. 
There was one seat left in there on a nine o'clock on a Tuesday. That's a big movie. And those children would not shut up. I was next to, when I saw Incredibles 2, I was next to a, a man who was probably like 65 or 70. And he was so excited for this movie that he was like, not, I love he was that. not tolerating any funny business from any of the people he was with. He was with the whole family. I wish he was in my <laughs> Like Obviously, grandpa brought the, the kids and the grandkids and stuff, but it was like, all right, everybody shut up. It's time for Incredibles 2. Like we're focused on the Incredibles here. Yeah, I remember because the bow was the short before that right, one, yeah. and it's that's a very emotional yeah, short. Yeah. Like, it's about you know your family and letting go of your children and all that. And at the end, when she eats the 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 bow that's her son, I was like, <gasps> yeah, and like a little taken aback. And all the kids started laughing, and I wanted to stand up on my chair and be like, shut <laughs> up, all of you, shut up. <laughs> uh, well, you don't get it. <laughs> Well, on that note, I think we got to get the hell out of here. We are doing tangents at the two-hour mark of a podcast. We got to move on. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate that. Uh, we've had a couple of uh, new folks join the the Patreon recently, which is awesome. And I just want to remind you folks out there that it's a great deal. I think for five at the five dollars a month level, if you join at the at that membership, you get the bonus episode every uh, four times a year, a quarterly bonus episode. We're past at this point. We're past to where that will become a bonus episode every month. So uh, definitely check that out there. I think we are like ten or twelve people ish. I haven't done the math recently, but about but so let's say about twelve people away from from hitting that mark, which is awesome. And uh, just so you know, when you sign up for Patreon at any level, you unlock all of the rewards that have ever been posted. So if you unlock at the $2 level, you get all of the old newsletters where we have, you know, what we've been watching lately and recommendations for stuff. And then if you do the $5 level, you get all of the content, which we just put up a really great Ghostbusters episode. It's about 20 hours of bonus content at the $5 level if you sign up there. So go check that out. It's patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. Um, you can also find us on social media. It's uh, facebook.com slash dissecting80s, and we're at dissect the 80s on Twitter. We always love to hear from you there, so go ahead and do that. And uh, don't forget to uh, rate and review the show. And uh, uh, if you haven't done that, uh, we would really appreciate it. I have a review here to read. Just came in from our friends down in Australia, which is nice considering we just said so many uh, you know terrible Australian <laughs> impressions and things. On our Crocodile Dundee episode, uh, it says one of the better 80s movie podcasts, five stars, always entertaining to listen to. Even though Tripp and Andrew reference their childhood often, they do it in such a way that it feels like you're still in on the joke or the anecdote, almost like you're there when it happened. It's also not just a retelling of the movie like so many podcasts are. It's a discussion and analysis of what makes it good or funny or bad. Uh, and that, Oh, shoot. I clicked away and missed that person's name. I'm sorry. That was by... Oh, no. That was from user Panna79 on Apple Podcasts Australia. So if you'd like to hear your review, go to uh, iTunes and review us. Or if you review us somewhere else, you send an email with a screenshot to dissecting80s at gmail.com and we read those on the air. Thank you again so much for listening to the show. We will be back in two weeks to start the annual Spooktacular. It's a werewolf-filled month this month. We're going to start with... One of the two big anniversaries in 2021, The Howling. Can't wait to talk about that with y'all. Thank you again so much for listening to the show. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 
Dissect in the 80s is a Chum Some of This production. Ow.